Hello everybody and welcome to our latest episode of Borders Blatherings, the podcast where we shine a light on the curious, shadowy and often very magical history of the Scottish Borders. I'm joined as ever by Mary Craig, author and historian. Hello there, Doug. Hi. Uh, are you well today, Mary? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. I'm... Uh... Just getting over a little bit of illness, but yeah, feeling good now. Looking forward to today. Good. The reason I'm looking forward to today is that over the last few episodes, as I mentioned in the introduction, we've tended to look a little bit at the curious and shadowy history of our borderlands. Mm -hmm. So today I thought we might take a little walk down the mythical and magical path. That's a good idea. And... Talk about two characters that I know a little about, but I will depend a lot on your knowledge. Um, okay. <laughs> and this will be a tale of two Toms. Mm-hmm. The characters Tam Lin mm-hmm. and, on the other hand, Thomas the Rhymer, who are closely associated with this part of the world. They are borderers, good and true. Now, to be honest, Mary, before I came to live in the borders... I was aware of Tamlin and Thomas the Rhymer, mm-hmm. but only really through folk music, the music of bands like Pentangle and Fairport Convention, mm-hmm. solo artists like Christy Moore, and of course Archie Fisher, who lives just up the road from us here mm-hmm. in, in, in Stow. So my first question is, Tamlin, Thomas the Rhymer, are we talking about Actual people who walked the pathways of the borders and breathed the air of the borders? Are we talking about legends that have grown up on the back of people who actually existed? Or are we in the realms of pure mythology? That's a question and a half. (laughs) Okay, so Thomas the Rhymer Uh was a real person. Okay. And there are stories about him. We'll explore those today. And Tam Lin probably wasn't a real person. Mm-hmm. But he may have married a real person. So, <laughs> ah, <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested now in where this will lead us. <laughs> yep. In perhaps true chicken and egg fashion. Okay. <laughs> who came first? First was Thomas the Rhymer. Thomas the Rhymer. Around about the 13th century. Okay, so can we start our wee natter about Thomas the Rhymer? Thomas the Rhymer, yeah. He was originally Sir Thomas of Erkeldoon, which was an old name for Erlston. A landowner, a a border laird, a great, you know, sheep, cattle, great lands and all the rest of it, married with children. And he played the lowland pipes and that's what he was known for, playing the pipes. And one day he goes out on his horse, and his horse is a milk-white horse. That's important. Mm-hmm. Goes out on his horse and uh, sort of stops near a tree in the Yildons, and he hears the tinkling of bells, musical bells, and he looks and he can see a figure coming towards him on a jet-black horse. And it's a woman with golden brown hair, the colour of ripened corn. Mm. And she's got emeralds braided through her hair. Yes. She's dressed all in green and there's emeralds on her cloak. And she has emeralds on her fingers. And the tinkling of the bells grows louder as she approaches. And he looks and the, the, the bridle and the reins and everything of the horse almost is so finely woven silver that it looks like, like spider web. Anyway, she comes up and she sort of gives him a smile and he thinks, oh, hello. 
And she alights from her horse and she said, I see you have the pipes. Would you play the pipes for me, kind sir? And he says, oh, I'd love to. So he plays the pipes for her. And he plays and plays the, the tunes of the borders. And then afterwards she said, now, she said, uh, would you like a payment? And he said, oh, no, no, I don't want any payment. And she said, I will give you a single kiss as payment. And he said, oh, this is nice because she's very beautiful. She kisses him and that seals his fate. She said, now, Thomas, you are my servant. And he's sort of, what? I mean, how do you know my name? She said, I'm Queen of the Fairies and you will be my servant for seven years. I said, but but I can't leave my wife and my family and my lands. And she said, no, no, no. You're now my servant for seven years. Mount your horse. So they mount their horses and he can do nothing else. And she leads him away from his land and they ride and they ride and they ride until he's in unfamiliar land. And the path getting getting narrower and there are briar bushes grabbing at his clothes and his horse's mane. And then they go through a great ravine and then out into this amazing land with crystal clear waters and, and it's so beautiful. And then up on a hill he sees the fairy palace. And the Queen says, that is where we are going, but there are three things you must remember. One, you must never speak from the moment you set in the castle. Two, you may not eat in the castle. And three, you may not drink in the castle. For if you do, you will stay with me forever and a day. Well, he's terrified, but he's under her spell. There's nothing he can do. So they go to the castle and everybody's coming out, all the little people. And they take him away and they bathe his wounds and they give him new clothes and they give him a new set of pipes. Oh, and they're beautiful, is it? Ebony inlaid with gold and it's a silver silken bag. And then they lead him down, down, down a spiral staircase and into a great feasting hall. And Tam's amazed at what he's seeing and he wants to ask questions, but he remembers he can't speak. And there's huge tables with lots and lots of food and he's hungry, but he can't eat. And there's all these goblets of golden wine and he's thirsty, but he cannot drink. But the little people lead him up to the queen and they bow to the queen. He bows to the queen and sitting next to the queen is the king of the fairies. And the queen turns to her lord, the king, and says, This is Tam, who will play for us. And so he plays and plays and plays and plays the jigs and the reels of the border country. And all the little people are dancing. And they dance and dance and dance all night until dawn starts to come in. And he starts to play the melancholy airs, the lilting tunes of the borders, until all the little people are asleep. And then oh, the queen. So Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> the queen turns to him and she says, "You have done well, Tam. Now you may go home." And he thinks, "And go home?" But she said, seven years." But of course, he can't speak. He can't ask the question. Yeah, yeah. So she takes him by the hand and leads him out, and the horses are there. His milk white horse, her jet black horse. They get back on the horses, and off they ride, and off they ride, and off they ride through the ravine, through all the thorn bushes, until they reach the edge of his land. And as they reach the edge of the land, the queen says to him, you have done well, Thomas, because you did not speak, you did not eat, you did not drink. Therefore, I will give you three gifts. I will give you the gift of a truthful tongue. No falsehood will ever pass your tongue. I give you the gift of prophecy to allow you to guide your people. And I will give you the gift of poetry. Oh, wow. And again, he's amazed. As he takes a step forward into his own land, he finds he's able to, to speak and he turns to bid her farewell and she says, but remember this, Thomas, you were my servant, you are my servant, you always will be my servant and one day I will call you back. 
So he rides off, amazed at the fact that she said seven years, but it was only one night, and mm. it's all very confusing, gets to his tower house, and everybody's amazed at him because that one night had been seven mortal years. His children are grown up. His wife has died. Everything has changed. And everybody's full of questions and stories and what's going on, what's going on. But of course, he cannot tell a falsehood. So all he will say is, I was with the queen of a foreign land and I've seen many things. And that's all he'll say whenever anybody questions him. So they stop questioning but the rumours and the stories because he cannot tell a falsehood. He prophesied things. He prophesied at one point that Scotland and England would be ruled by one king, ah. a boy king born of a French queen. Oh. James the Sixth, uh, James the First. And of yeah. course, he has his poetry. And so he's known as Thomas the Rhymer or True Thomas because he did not lie. And he lives for many years until he's an old, old man. And one day he's sort of sitting in his tower and his eyes are dimmed and his hearing's gone a bit and he's bent over and he's grey-haired. And there are two guards at the tower mm. and they come rushing in to say, we've just seen a white deer. Very unusual. And then another guard comes in and says, there are two of them. And Thomas knows what this means. And he walks down yeah. and here's a white hind and a white heart walking towards the tower, not shying away the way deer mm-hmm. should, walking straight there. And they get to the tower and they bow to Thomas, and Thomas bows to them, and he starts to walk away. He puts one hand on the shoulder of one animal, and one hand on the shoulder of the other, and he walks towards them. And as he walks away, the colour comes back into his hair, his back straightens, and he is a young man again, as he was. And as he reaches the very edge of the woods, he turns, lifts his hand in salute to his people, and then turns, and is never seen again. That, my friends, is Thomas Arima. That is a story that everybody should know. <laughs> I did, yes. So the the ringing of the bells in the forest that you alluded to at the very beginning of that mm-hmm. wonderful story when mm-hmm. he's out riding, they really did ring the changes. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, well put, yes, yes. I say that because later today, I'm doing an online session with one of my students and we're looking at idioms. Oh, okay. And one of those is to ring the changes. Ah, right, right. right. Okay. And I have got an advert <laughs> from a hairdresser which is which says, uh, ring the changes for the new year Quite <laughs> with right. a complete makeover. Yeah. I'd rather they listen to your story. <laughs> well, bells are really significant. A lot of medieval stories yeah, have bells. Yeah, and, of course, yeah. going back to... Uh, our last podcast, we were talking about the Black Death. Ah. Remember, one of the things they did was to ring church bells yes. to try and dispel any badness in there. Mm-hmm. So bells are really quite significant yeah. during the medieval periods. Yeah, because of course bells signify wealth as well. Because who can afford to pay to to create something that is purely ornamental and musical? It's not doing anything mm-hmm. other than that. So bells are really significant. Yeah. They're a show of wealth. They're a show of power. And you know, the queen was was demonstrating her power. Bells. Now we're at, at at the risk of sidetracking totally here. We have this phrase to be saved by the bell, mm-hmm. the origin of which is a little bit debatable. Where in you imagine Greyfriars Kirk up in Edinburgh, where it is claimed that people who may or may not have been dead were buried with a bell next to them. Indeed, they could ring <laughs> and the they bell. They could ring it if they were not Indeed, dead. Yes. I am not having that. 
No. But yeah, bells and the importance of bells. And the importance of them, yeah. Mary, that was fascinating. Uh, you've 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 coloured that whole story of Thomas the Rhymer for me. Mm. Are you going to let me down now with the story of Tam Lin? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, Thomas the Rhymer, as I say, was based on was, a real person. Yeah. yeah. Tamlin, I have always had a problem with the story of Tamlin because I don't ah. think the story is Tamlin's story. I think it's Janet's story myself. But there we are. What do you mean by Janet's story? Well, are you talking Janet Lynn? Mm, I'm talking about Janet, who may have been called Janet Armstrong, or she may have been Janet Kerr, or she may have been Janet Elliot, or Janet Graham. She has all of the border names that are attached to Janet. <laughs> Every, you, you, depends where you're telling this story. Janet is the local lass. Aha. Uh-huh. And she uh, lives near Carterhoch, near right. Selkirk. And uh, she's the local laird's daughter and she's very beautiful and she's just about getting to marriageable age and she's bored because she has to sit there and look pretty and, and sew and embroider and do tapestry. Oh, she's a bit bored. Yeah. So one day she decides to sneak off. It's coming up to the autumn, which is the time when you slaughter your cattle and your sheep, you know, mm. to, to, to salt the meat for over the winter. And her father's out doing that and she thinks, I'm going to sneak away. So she sneaks out of the house and she goes to local wood. And she's wandering through the wood and she sees uh, a rose bush and she picks this this wild rose. And the minute she does that, this man appears. And he's quite fierce. What are you doing in this wood? I am the keeper of this wood. I am the knight that guards this wood. You may not pick the roses. And she's quite startled. She drops the rose and she thinks, oh, what's going on here? And see, And he sort of advances towards her. And he said, I am the knight of the wood. You cannot come in here. And although he's being fierce, she can see a sadness in his eyes. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And she yeah. wonders about this. And as he looks at her, she's not a great beauty, but she has a goodness coming from her. And he's trying to berate her. And even as he does so, there's a tear comes into his eye. Oh, wonderful. And she said, well, what is wrong? Why are you being so fierce? I was merely walking in the woods. And he said, I I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you. And she said, no, no, tell me what Mm. is going on. And eventually he breaks down and he said, my name is Tam Lynn. I'm a knight and I am in the service of the Queen of the Fairies. And I have been taken in service for seven years. And Janet says, oh, that's awful. Can you not escape? And he says, no, you know, I have to do seven years. And she said, how long has your seven years been? And he said, that's the problem. It's been seven times, seven years. I long to be released, but she will not release me, except to one who is true of heart. That's more than a seven-year age. So the girl says to him, how can I help you? And he says, no, 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 it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous because... Every seven years, the fairies have to give a tithe, a tind, to the devil. And if they cannot take one of their own, they will take a mortal child, like changeling babies, they will take a a human child and give that to the devil. He says, it's too dangerous. And she says, no, 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 no. She says, I can tell me what to do. And he says, well, next week is Sawain. He said, you come here at midnight. He said, and you will see the fairy host going by. And the first troop will have the fairy queen. She will be on a jet black horse emeralds in her hair. The second troop will have the fairy king. He will be in a great broad bronzed horse. He said, I will be in the third troop on a milk white horse with a gold circlet about my head. And she says, yes, I promise you. And at that, he picks up the white rose that she had dropped and hands it to her and then disappears. So she runs all the way home 
to make sure she gets in before her dad realises she's been up to no good. You know, hides the rose under her pillow. As you do. And <laughs> thinks about, well, will I go back? Won't I go back? Will I go back? Mm. And eventually in Slavian, she does. She goes back. She, she clothes herself in a brown cloak, so she's slightly hidden. She turns up, and on the stroke of midnight, here comes the fairy queen, dressed in green. Emeralds braided through her hair, her emerald rings, and the tinkling of bells again. She allows her to pass. Then the second troop comes, and it's the, the fairy king and his great bronzed horse, and he goes past. And then the third troop comes, and there's Tamlin on a milk-white horse. Janet rushes out, and she pulls Tam from his horse and grabs hold of him. She says, come away with me, come away with me. And just as that happens, all the fairy people start shouting, Tam Lin's a wall! Tam Lin's a wall! And the bells start really tinkling as the fairy queen turns and rides back on her horse. And she's screaming at Janet, release my servant, release my servant. And Janet says, no, I will not release him. You must release him. And everybody's shouting, Tam Lin's a wall! Tam Lin's a wall! And the fairy queen is furious and she turns Tam Lin into a lizard, a huge, great, scaly lizard with claws. And the claws are sticking into Janet and Janet doesn't let go. So the fairy queen tries again and she turns Tam into a slithering snake and Janet doesn't let go. And then finally she turns Tam into a red hot cinder and Janet's hands Aye. are burning and blistering but she doesn't let go and the fairy queen knows that she is defeated. And she looks at Tamlin, she turns him back into his form and she looks at him and she says, if I had known that you would fall in love looking at a maiden, I would have turned your eyes to wood. And if I had known mm. that you would give your heart to a mortal maiden, I would have turned your heart to stone. But so be it. Be off. Be out of my woods. And at that, the fairy queen rides off. And Tamlin and Janet go back to her father's house, where her father more or less accepts Tam, and they get married, and they have a child nine months later. And they live happily ever after. Except, every Samhain night... Janet wakes up crying out in pain as her hands blister oh, and burn they, oh, right, forevermore. Right. And that, to me, is Janet's story just as much as it's Tam Lin's. I am convinced. You've, you've <laughs> done a very good selling job there. Yes. I'll also later today be doing the third conditional for, okay, for right. reflecting on the past <laughs> and learning from our mistakes. <laughs> and I might pinch a couple of them if I had known. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it will work well. Fascinating. I wonder why if we, we have such this great depth of magical stories, mystical stories, myths and legends here in the borders, mm -hmm. that Hollywood has not attempted to get their hands on some of this. Exactly. I think it's the borders likes to keep their stuff secret. And misinterpret it, <laughs> <laughs> as they've done with the Brothers yeah. Grimm and, and yeah. many other things. Because if you, if you think of the borders landscape, yeah. it's not big rugged mountains, but if you're ever out in the borders, these rolling hills and these river mm. valleys... They're misty and you can't quite see what's yeah, going on yeah, and, yeah. and they're shadowy things. And I always think the borders looks best in the evening light uh -huh. when there are shadows flickering and you're not quite sure what you're seeing. And is that a figure in the mist or is it just a tree somewhere? I think that lends, lends it to magic. But what I find fascinating about Thomas Reimer and Tam Lin is 
that they are rooted in actual places. You can go to Thomas Reimer's Tower. Yeah, yeah, you know, Janet yeah. lives at Carter Hugh. We mm. know it's in Selkirk. We know it's at Melrose. We know it's near the edge of You know, it's not airy-fairy once upon a time in a faraway land. It's rooted yes, in the countryside. Yes. It's rooted in the landscape. And it's also very apt. You 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 mentioned um, Samain, Saman. Um, this is Halloween. Yeah. Uh, did we talk about this in our Halloween special? We did, yes. Rhiannon came along and explained tons of the pagan stuff to us about I, I think about we did, yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah. It was excellent. But that places it very, really, you know, yeah. really in we, the we have a time, we, are. we yeah. have a place, we have the fact that, you know, Thomas Reimer is playing the lowland pipes, he's not playing the bagpipes, he's prophesying about Scottish kings. Yeah. Um, yeah, he plays the border reels and then the melancholy airs to make them go to sleep. Um, you know, we know the woods that Tam Lynn rode through. Yes, and of course, there's so many places around the borders that have the name Fairy and Fairnyhurst just down the road from us. There's, yeah, Fair, yeah. there's so many Fairnyhurst places around the borders. Yeah. Fairnilly. Exactly. You know, so, a friend lives at Fairnilly. There you go. Yeah. Um, interesting you say the lowland pipes, not the healing ones, because yep. one of the many criticisms of that Oscar winning film Braveheart is the wrong pipes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> The Rulean pipes, not Eland pipes, yeah. Mary, thank you very much. That's fascinating. I, You have motivated me to go and do a little bit more research and reading. And I shall listen intently to that because I found both of these stories absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And I hope Hollywood do not. <laughs> Get a hold of it, <laughs> Misinterpret yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that Janet's surname varies as to who's telling the story and which yeah, part of the borders yeah, you're in, because yeah. that's, you know, that's part <laughs> of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she's a real person. You know, yeah. she's not some, this isn't some, there's no magical spells in that way. It's not the Hollywood version of Fairyland. Fairies yeah. are, as I say, we talk about changeling children. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, the, the fairies had to give their time to the devil every seven years. They had to give them a child or a person. And so what they would do is they would steal human babies, give them, them to the devil, and they would put a fairy baby in its place. And then when the fairy baby grew up to be 21 years old, they would go back to fairyland. You know, and you can understand why. I have a friend who actually wrote some poetry about this. She had a little boy, lovely little boy, and he was... Absolutely, perfectly, you know, healthy little baby, fine, fine, fine. And then at about six months, he was very seriously ill. Okay. Um, very seriously ill. And when he came back, when he, he survived, he came back from the hospital, he had changed. Mm. And that little boy is now quite severely autistic. And my friend wrote a poem about it because she said herself that he went from being a baby with bright, focused, you know, looking at her and all this to suddenly changing to being odd or strange or just not right. Now, obviously, they got the diagnosis of autism and that's fine and everything, you know, because autistic people just, their brains are wired a little bit differently from the rest of us, and that's fair enough. But you can understand in the medieval times, if that happened, you would think somebody had swapped your baby. You can understand them saying, well, well, somebody's taken my perfectly healthy, normal baby and they've put back something that looks like my baby, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Because often developmental issues don't, don't sort of, don't become obvious with babies until, you know, that first year is out. So you're starting off with one thing and you come with another and maybe your baby has developmental problems and fair enough, you know. Um, but you can understand why that explanation 
in medieval times. All yeah, the, absolutely. You know, the fairies are not nice little cute things that flit about, <laughs> um, like the romantic poets thought. Fairies yeah, in Scotland yeah. are about human-sized. Yeah. The best of them are tricksy and the worst of them are malicious. You don't mess with the fairies. But we're only going to get a, an enhanced morality uh, and... and uh, ethical view of the world unless these fairies come along and assist us. Yes, yes. I mean, the reason I think the Tam Lynn story is interesting is the fact that the fairy queen didn't keep her word. Because mm. the fairy queen in Thomas the Rhymer keeps her word. Keeps her word, yeah. Although yeah. she does pull him back when he's an old man. Mm-hmm. But the the implication is that he's going to live out his life with good health. But the tam, the fairy and the, the fairy queen in Tam Lynn, I mean, she's keeping him there for seven years, seven times seven years. That's yeah. not what she asked for. You know, so so they can be tricksy. Um, yeah, very tricksy. I mean, if if Thomas Reimer had taken one sip of wine, that would have been him for the rest of his life. Yeah, the rules in Fairyland are strict. Yeah, yeah. It is it 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 is incredible with all these rich magical stories that are around that today we are still living with this great fear of change. Maybe an entirely human emotion. Mm-hmm. But that we have lessons that can be learned. <laughs> yes. Yet we yeah. seem not to grasp the nettle. Yeah. But I mean, I if you think of that one. <laughs> <laughs> if you think of Janet grasping onto Tam Lin, yeah. now she she holds onto Tam yeah. Lin, yeah. and even though he changes into the scaly lizard, she knows it's really Tam Lin. He changes into the snake, she knows she it's still knows. him. He yeah. changes into the hot cinder, she still knows. She she is true. It's being about true to people. Yeah. It's being authentic. It's it's yeah. you know, keeping yeah. to your your principles and keeping to what you know is a true thing. And I, I like the fact that her surname represents all of the dynastic families here in the yes. world. Yes. Um, when I when I speak to people in Germany or in France, their their view of Scottish history is the clans. Of course. It's the McDonald's, yeah. it's the Campbells. Yeah. Not really being too aware of these very powerful, rich, dynastic families that inhabit yeah. this part of Scotland. Yeah. I don't know if they're not sexy enough or if Hollywood <laughs> is not borrowed, but um, it's great that we're able to weave that in. Yes, yes. I mean, so, I've, Mary, thanks a lot. That, yeah. That's been fascinating. You, you've put me in the picture about both of these stories. Mm, yeah. And before we finish, I'd just like to deliver a short message to anyone who is listening. Please continue to listen. And as I have said a couple of times before, although this podcast is free to listen to, it is not free to produce. So if anyone has good intentions, motivated by fairies or not, to support our podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. And thank you, Mary. Thank you.